send Cougar football off to a 4-1 start and winning in a different way than most expected. Can the Cougars sustain this current model of winning games? And BYU linebacker Harrison Taggart will tell us how he is handling having an increased role for the BYU defense. The Kickton thinks a storyline. Who's talking about it besides us and does it really have anything to do with winning? And the dominant duo of Wally Thane and Zach Fuchs of Cougar Men's Tennis are in studio. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, October 11th. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man whose team is also out of the Major League Baseball World Series hunt, Jerem Jordan. There's only one team that hasn't made it to the World Series, I believe. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, it was, it was Washington, but then they went and won like three years ago or whatever, right? Uh, yeah, it's just the Marineros. So, yeah. No, I, I, uh, I feel your pain. I'm grieving um, today. I feel your pain. But uh, the Mariners did win a series last year uh, when they got in. Then they were swept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Orioles won the American League East. Mm -hmm. 101 wins on the season. Magical. Ahead of schedule and then didn't win a playoff game. And then uh, got swept. And that, so. is, that is the unfortunate uh, AO West reality. Get, as sometimes. good as the AL East is, that AO West will get you. <sighs> So thank you for grieving with me. Yeah, I'm not actually. Let's be honest. <laughs> what a great friend. I, uh, you know what? Every man for himself with proteins. <laughs> All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Wide open in the end zone, Darius Lassiter. in different ways has been the theme for BYU football this season. What's trending? Presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. The Cougars 4-1 and coming off a nice conference win against Cincinnati in their Big 12 home opener, Thanks trying to take this winning mojo back out on the road where it has not been good, especially in the afternoon, but that... We will discuss later. I'm so happy that's a talk. Can BYU <laughs> sustain this model when they get into the yeah. actual games, Jerem, of yeah. not putting together big offensive numbers, but being opportunistic with turnovers and field position? And can they sustain this to have something special happen over the final seven games of the season? Wait, you're saying putting together 319 yards of total offense isn't sustainable <laughs> per game? Uh, somehow, BYU was 4-1. Let's first talk about how. You mentioned a few of these, but uh, three things stick out. Takeaways, plus seven in wins, minus three in loss, as I mentioned yesterday. Number two, average starting field position, plus 5.4 this year. Now, you may say, no, that's a big number. what is five yards? A big Does number. that really matter? Well, BYU's 4-0 when winning it, 0-1 when losing it this year. Klan Sitake, 50-9 when winning it in the, the Sitake era, 10-27 when losing it. Uh, punting, BYU's 13th in net punting. Two takeaways on those punts, by the way, um, this year. Ryan Rico, third at 49, a punt this season. Number three, explosive plays. You look at just the two big wins of Arkansas and Cincinnati. You had 11 pass plays of 15-plus. Four of those were touchdowns. Yes. L.J. Martin also had a 29- and 45-yard TD run in those games. Those three reasons stick out. Is it sustainable against who BYU is playing? 
I don't think so. Like, unless you're getting plus two every game, Spence, which will not happen, then it would be. But you are not going to be able to maintain um, the, the, the plus seven. Like, I mean, plus four overall is really nice. That's, that's a good number. Jay Hill in that defense has done a nice job. Stop rates number 25, as the Athletic mentioned yesterday. So th- those are all good. Can be always sustain that against an increased schedule of TCU, Texas Tech, who looks good. I know they have a couple losses, but they look good. And uh, Texas, and then you get into to November when you have Oklahoma, you have West Virginia, you have two winnable games in there. I don't think it's sustainable. I think BYU needs to be able to run the ball better. They're going to have to create some offense some game. They're going to have to win a shootout um, at some point. You could argue that Arkansas was sort of a shootout, but that was a takeaway game, again, where BYU yeah. won it via that model. Some takeaways are merit and based and earned. Others are just kind of lucky. Like a, a, a guy didn't hold on to the ball well, you you punched it out. But other times that quarterback's got to throw you the rock sometimes. Yeah. Last week, TCU turned it over um, a couple of times where it was like, who are you throwing to? Like J.P. Richardson, the receiver, throws this receiver pass that is right to an Iowa State guy. The first pick from Chandler Morris, was right to the Iowa State linebacker. Brutal. Like, that's kind of just lucky that he threw you the rock. you got to be there. So, overall, no, I don't think this motto of winning will be sustainable in the final seven against the schedule. BYU's got to be better on offense to help out the defense when, say, it may be an even margin in a game or two. Okay, let's say that BYU does go plus four in the turnover margin over the next five games to compare to the first five games. Yeah. And they win the field position battle by 5.4 yards per game in the next five games. But they don't put up big offensive numbers. Just over 300 yards, 319 yards a game. (laughs) That's so low, man. It's not going to beat Texas. No way. But it might beat TCU and Texas Tech. Yes, but can you actually do those things against those teams? Like, Yes, those numbers are good. So this model, we're discussing strictly the model, which is... But can you maintain the model? You win the turnover battle, you win field position, and you have mediocre at best offense. But you have explosive plays after turnovers. I would argue it's not mediocre, it's bad. Okay, that is the model that BYU has used to win. So the the topic you bring up is... Well, can BYU even, like, keep doing what they've been doing? It's going to be hard. If the model continues to exist, then, yeah, you can well, beat sure. TCU. You can beat Texas Tech. It's going to take something special to beat Texas. You probably need to be plus two in the turnover margin. You have to win the field position battle, and you need to be able to run the ball and probably put up at least, you know, 375 or 400 yards of total offense, which BYU has not done in any of the previous five games. Zero 400-yard performances. BYU's best offensive what? performance yards-wise was in the loss against Kansas. Because they're playing from behind and soft defense. Needed to chuck it, yeah, sure. Score game. But just it's there are so many weird numbers involved in the first five. But yeah. four and one? That's surprising. If, because this model has been prevalent. So if Enjoy the, it now. If the model it, it remains. If the model remains, winning turnover battle, winning field position, explosive plays, <laughs> yeah. yes, BYU is going to win two of the next three. This is like in basketball saying, yes, if BYU continues to shoot 45% from three. Like, no, they're can, not going to do that. Can they shoot 60% for the game? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no. Typically, there's like a leveling off, right? A, a, a regression to the mean. Now, the takeaways thing, that could be interesting. The field position thing. Like, like Ryan Rico. Field position to me is absolutely sustainable because okay. of Rico. Brother Ryan Rico. Yes. 
he's he's so good. The explosive plays have been the offense's calling card. Do you guys even know what a calling card is? Like our students in the do you nope shaking head no. Okay, a calling card. You used to have a card. To call Once upon a time, difference. you'd plug in a code, and it would yeah. allow you to talk for a certain number of minutes. Like you didn't have cell phones. You had to go to a <laughs> payphone somewhere. Anyways, that's been the calling card um, for BYU. And, and LJ Martin, here's the 29-yard run, right, against Cincinnati. Um, yeah, I hope that BYU can keep this going. Like, can you accidentally throw Chase Roberts again? Like, <laughs> BYU is 4-1, and one and it's awesome. I'm really enjoying it. BYU should probably be 3-2. and two. Um, you know, but they're ahead of schedule. Yeah. And, uh, and I want to give Aaron Roderick Credrick, uh, Aaron Roderick Credrick. I like the credit. The Credrick. Hey, the Credrick goes to Aaron. <laughs> it does, man. I want to give him credit because yeah. he has dialed up some amazing play calls once BYU has taken the ball back on turnovers or after fourth down Quick stops. strikes. Yeah, so yeah. he – that is something. So BYU has Aaron Roderick, and they have Ryan Rico. So some of these things are like, okay, yeah, you can sustain that because you have personnel that have proven that they can do this. Keaton Slovis should be on your list. Again and again too. and again. And Keaton, what has Keaton Slovis done to, to make us think, gosh, BYU's not going to be able to win games? Like, he's, he's been fantastic. Yes. Uh, he's, he's, um, could, could he put up bigger numbers? Yes. Sure. But has he put BYU in position to win after the defense has, has helped him out? Like, I would argue the defense has been the winning engine right now and special teams, and then the offense has taken advantage of what those two sides of the ball have set up BYU to do, and that is complementary team football, and that has been awesome. Can BYU keep that going against an increased toughness and strength of schedule? That is the question. Oh, it's tough. There's going to be a leveling off. It's not going to be as dramatic with the turnover margin and maybe not as dramatic in field position when you take on better competition. But BYU could still be plus one and could be maybe a couple yards better in field position. And they still have Aaron Roderick, who deserves the credit for drawing up explosive plays Keep it when BYU takes advantage of a miscue from the opponent. What will that mean in the final seven games? I am hoping it's a winning record, four and three. Right. I'd take three and four. And we think it's I'd going to it. be three and four. Yeah. Because we expect the leveling because off to happen. And the schedule, yes. It, it's a combination, right? Can BYU maintain this level of takeaway expertise and, and prowess? I don't know, man. Like, to some degree, like I said, takeaways are lucky. Well, but BYU's been pretty, pretty good at it. Well, it can BYU play every game at night? Because then maybe they can sustain it. Topic two, <laughs> the day-night thing. Let's chat. It is a thing. If you don't want it to be a thing, I don't care. Um, I'm glad people are noticing. Uh, Mitch Harper, KSLSports.com, writes an article. <laughs> Jay Drew um, asks Jay Hill a question, which I'll get to in a second. Reddit, college football does a thing about how BYU is vampires. Have we not mentioned BYU being vampires before? We have. We weren't the first. We won't be the last. Cougars hunt at night. Nate Slack brought this up a couple years ago. I've tried to push this agenda. Here we are. Since 2019, when kickoff is 6 p.m. or later, local to site, BYU is 26-3, and 14-3 yep. and three before 6. Mm -hmm. If you take out five FCFs wins the last five years, 9-13 and 13 against FBFs competition before 6. <sighs> so a couple of Jays were talking yesterday, Drew and Hill, and uh, Drew asked Hill about it. Jay, what say ye? I don't know. I mean, it's probably something that the coaches need to reflect on. But do we make a big deal of it with our players? Absolutely not. Um, I don't put any stock in that because the reality is no matter when you kick off, you better be ready to go. 
And it's not for the coaches to pound into the player's head. It's just something for us to talk about, right? But uh, Jay was, was kind of asked and surmised, like, well, what is it home and away? Ah, I got the numbers. That's what we do here. Uh, BYU's 8-3 uh, and three, uh, at home before 6, 6-10 six and ten away, okay? 3-3 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, three and three at home versus uh, FBS teams if you take out the FCS. 9-13 mm-hmm. and 13 overalls we mentioned. Here's the P5 thing with TCU road game this week. Two and six versus P five before six. Um, one and four um, away from Provo. That includes neutral. The one win was at Washington State in 2021. So there's a lot of numbers. We've given you some some stuff. Where's the winning number in that, Jerem? Show me that. Uh, the the winning number. Uh, the winning number is 26 and three. But uh, mm. pre six, there's not a lot of winning numbers. There's not. So, okay. So how much of a thing is this? Like what what do we make of the kick time in relation to winning? Because it's too stark to ignore. One of our buddies, Tyson Hutchins, was discussing with me yesterday that he as an individual just feels like when the game kicks off early, he's behind. Like he's rushed mm. compared to when – and he does social media and does an incredible job leading the BYU social media team. All those amazing videos and recaps, stuff. Tyson, Stu Call, those guys are, are leading that charge. But he said, I kind of get it because when we are covering a night game, I feel like I've had my day to get everything done. Like what? And now I can just like do my thing at night. And he's like, maybe there is some type of mind shift in an athlete's head when it's like, okay, you've been able to watch football all day. You've had time to think about it, and then, like, now it's go time at night. There are night people, and there are morning people. For sure. In the human race. You're always a night team. Perhaps the majority of the players on BYU teams in the Satake era are just naturally night people. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It is so difficult to explain. Like, why is this happening? I have some people ask me, why does it happen? I don't know, but it is happening. It, I'm just yes. My agenda with this is not to to tell you um, the why. The why. It's just that it is. Okay. <laughs> so Reddit College Football did an article. Here I'm going to read some of this. BYU's a vampire team confirmed since 2020. BYU's 21 and 0 in games without sunlight, and 12 and 10 in games with sunlight. That is that is nuts. Quality of opponent doesn't seem to matter without sunlight. BYU beat four ranked teams, eight P5s with sunlight. BYU. Played two ranked teams in 7P5s, but won only two of these games. Now, things get weirder. When oh, Who is this by, by the way? Uh, Kruger Denning, 21 hours ago. Nice work, Kruger. Uh, during the day portion of these games, BYU was outscored 82-103. to 103. Uh, During the night portion, BYU outscored its opponents 110-82. I'm guessing Vegas understands this issue, too. Despite losing their QB and having a worse record, TCU favored by five. And now it's up a to six. six. TCU is now a six-point favorite because I'm telling you, <laughs> the bank of the desert okay. who collaborates with whoever you want to believe they collaborate with. Yeah. They they're paying attention to this. It's I, I'm, I'm telling you, like I've been, I've been pushing it mainly because it's pushing some of your buttons and, and that's how I operate. But like, it is a thing. I don't know why. I don't know how, but it is a thing. Can BYU overcome nine and 13 and uh, get a win? Absolutely. They can. I don't believe that winning is dictated on kickoff either. I'm just saying these numbers are weird. That's it, all I'm saying. It's just it's amazing that the one game that BYU lost this year just so happened to fit into that afternoon. Well, window. well, well. <laughs> it's, 
BYU needs to win this game at TCU. Win the game. So that we can, like, and next squelch week. this a little bit. And next week, because that's pre-six. It's true. But it is at home. Because at home, it's still... We're th- mainly what? looking at road day games P5. Like, <laughs> BYU 1-4 and four in those moments. That's not a ton of volume. But we got to beat TCU and squelch this thing a little bit, man. Do it. Shut me up already. Gosh. Like, I love the vampire thing. I love that cougars hunt at night. But can we prey on some beasts in the field in the day? Yeah. <laughs> Lions hunt in the day, too? Well, they're super sleepy. They sleep 21 out of 24 <laughs> hours. I just went to the San Diego Zoo and learned that. That was great. All right, our question today, straight up. Because I know some of you are like, it's completely coincidental. Enough! It's just a coincidence. It's stupid. These guys don't know what they're talking about. Hey, Do I agree with you most of the time. Do you believe that kick time has anything to do with BYU's football or BYU football's recent success or struggles? And who should get the credit, Rick? Does, <laughs> does the kick time have anything to this, do with the result of, of the game? Greatest questions ever. At Coulter Gill on X okay. answers. Here we go. I don't, he says, I don't usually look at trends. Yeah. But something is definitely going on if you look at the win-loss record. Yes. And also how the team performs. Uh-huh. Could say it's opponents. However, BYU has beaten multiple top 25 and even a top 10 team at night recently. Yep. So something is definitely going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. I don't know what it is, but something's going on. <sighs> why? Is, we is, don't know why. It is October. BYU for Trey on X answers. It's completely coincidental. Okay. Break down where they played and who they played. There's I only like a couple of bad losses. Boise State 2021 in Provo. Oh, you want to talk about bad losses? And ECU 2022 at night in Provo. There are a lot of yeah. losses to yeah. really good teams. Okay, I'll give you the losses. This is in, not in chronological order. I don't know what order I have this sorted in. Oh, it's just home or road and neutral. Okay, the losses of the 13, right? Day pre-six. Mm-hmm. Arkansas, Boise State. Those are quality, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Washington, Notre Dame, UAB e. at Baylor. At Coastal, right? At Hawaii, Uh, at Kansas, at Liberty, at Oregon, at South Florida, uh, at South Florida. Gross. Yeah, Uh, that was a terrible loss. Yes. How? uh, At Toledo. Toledo? At Toledo. No, listen. There's some bad ones. BYU for Trey. There's some bad ones. I I kind of want to agree with you, but no, that list right there tells me everything I need to know. Okay. At at USF and at Toledo back to back in 2019 afternoon games. Those were bad football teams. Young team that got better 2020-20. Okay, poll results. We put a poll out on this one. Okay, yes is beating definitely not 52 to 48. Half of you, <laughs> half of you, half of you believe. <laughs> we believe. It's the 14th article of faith. Again, Let's our go. objective here is not to try and explain why. We don't know why. We don't know why. I'm telling you. I'm. What are we, James the Mormon? We're not telling you why. We don't know. We just think that. It is a thing. Sit up here and talk all day. Okay, BYU Football with Kalani Sataki is on demand. Last night, Max Tooley was on the show. Great show. It's on the BYU TV app or on BYUSN.com. Up next, I go one-on-one with the man who is largely replacing the injured Ben Bywater. Mm -hmm. It's Harrison Taggart, the transfer from Oregon. And we tackle, no pun intended, a ton of topics. I feel like you intended. How does he feel about his increased role on defense? This is BYU Sports Targeting on you. BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968.
Wayu gets pressure and blocks it. The punch is blocked. Jones keeps it. It's inside the five and then is stood up and thrust back. We are live at Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Going off what we were just talking about, maybe we should host our show after 6 p.m. Uh, no, I would like a live. <laughs> I don't have much of one, but I'd like Okay, disregard. Strike it from the record. Uh, morning, Joe. Unless you're East Coast, then it's uh, lunchtime. Hi. What's there, up? there you go. Yeah. Harrison Taggart has had a very, very interesting last 12 months of his life. Transfers from Oregon, is a backup linebacker, now has been thrust into the spotlight in a starting role because of star linebacker Ben Bywater's injury at Kansas. He's trying to make the most of it. And certainly with 10 tackles against Cincinnati, that is, in a way, making the most of it. How does he feel about his increased role and the underdog mentality that BYU has played with for all of their Power 5 games this season? This is BYU Sports Nation with Harrison Taggart. Harrison, TCU week after a bye week. I've been asking a bunch of your teammates, so I'm going to ask you the same question. What was the best part of the bye week for you individually? Mm, best part of the bye week was sleeping in. Um, <laughs> get up at 6.30 every day. It's nice to sleep in past that. So, What does sleeping in qualify as for you? Depended the day. I was usually up by 8.30 or 9, but some days a little past that. Some of your teammates, it's like noon. So Yeah, I learned that. Or even the late afternoon. You're like, how do you sleep that late, man? But, yeah, no, I was up. I had class. But, yeah, it was nice to get a few extra hours of sleep. So yeah. Always nice to get more sleep for sure. How much football did you watch on last Saturday when you didn't have a game? Um, every day. we watched. I was up watching the TCU-Iowa game um, and then just all the other TCU games just to take advantage of that extra bye week that, a lot of people didn't have that last week. It's an extra step forward. So, What did you learn about TCU's team watching their game at Iowa State in Ames? Um, they're a really, really physical physical team. Um, they love running the ball. Um, their receivers are really, really physical at the point of attack, too. Um, so, yeah. How similar are they to any of the previous five teams you've seen this season? Like, who would they compare closest to, in your opinion? Um, I feel like they run a lot of the same scheme that Kansas runs. Um, they're a unique team. They're definitely a unique team. Um, but they run a lot of same things that Kansas runs. You've been thrust into an additional spotlight with one of your brothers in the linebackers room, Ben Bywater, being out and injured. So how has your role changed the most in the last few weeks? Um, I've really had to take on a leadership role. I mean, being at that Mike backer, you have to know the ins and outs of the defense. Um, Ben's been amazing helping me. He's pointed out, like, hey, good job here, but you can fix this here. Ben's Ben's amazing. I can't wait to have him back. He's a baller. What's it like to go out on the field and, and work beside Max Tooley and, and A.J. Vong Pachan? It's amazing. Last game was something crazy. They they have this different switch when they're on the field, and I don't even know how to describe it. It's just an extra light that comes on. Um, they bring the energy, and it fuels your system, too. So, yeah. How would you explain your learning curve being out on the field the last few games? Um, just the speed on the field versus in practice. There's a different type of speed. Um, that's been one of the main learning curves. I also like pass concepts and routes, um, something else I need to pick up on a little better. But, yeah. I mean, it's tough. There are some hard lessons. You know, I mean, you've been doing some great things. You've, you've learned some hard lessons. So let's explore both of those kind of polar opposites. Like what's what's been the, the, the area where you've grown the most, do you think? Area I've grown the most, um, run fits and understanding concepts. Um, 
a lot of teams, I don't think people realize this, they run the exact same things. It's just fits and how they run them, um, just disguises. Um, so I've learned a lot about scheme. Um, area improvement is learning route concepts because it's the same thing with routes. You're just building concepts, you know what I mean? So, How do you handle that? Because this is it's a tough situation to be kind of thrown into and you got a very intense defensive coordinator and you've got some coaches that care a lot. So what's that like for you? It's good. Um, you listen to the message, not the tone. Um, and I learned that from a young age in football, but these coaches incorporate it to listen to the message, not the tone. Um, and honestly, if you listen to the tone too, it just fires you up even more. So, yeah, love these coaches. How do you match up with TCU going back to the Horn Frogs? You talked about their physicality and, and the different run schemes and, and things that they're going to try and throw against BYU's defense. But how do you feel like this defense matches up against their offense? You know, I think we're a great fit against TCU. We run a lot of things that I love against TCU. I think our size and our physicality, especially shown this week in practice, um, it's going to be great for what TCU runs. What were you working on in practice this week specifically? I heard a lot about just fundamentals and tackling. What, like what, what did that entail at practice as you, as you prepare for this, this new game? Like you said, fundamentals, we just broke it down at the start of the week coming off the bye. Um, what we need to do better, focusing on us rather than TCU right away. Um, and then scheme, just breaking down the scheme and getting back to the day one things. Um, and then physicality at the point of attack, that was huge this week, or is huge this week. So... The underdog role is something that has been prevalent for BYU. In fact, all four Power 5 games, including this weekend at TCU, BYU will go in as an underdog. You've won two of the previous three. So how do you approach that specific scenario? I didn't even know we're the underdog. Um, That's a great question. I don't know. I don't approach it like we're an underdog. I approach it like we're the man on top, um, and they have to face us. I mean, we haven't shown we're playing down to anybody. We're always playing up, and playing above and beyond what they're playing. So, yeah, I haven't had the underdog mentality this season. I don't think many of my teammates have either. So, yeah. Does it drive you at all? Does, does it does it bother you at all? Like, does it motivate you? Yeah, it does, definitely. Um, like I said, I didn't think we were the underdogs. I never think, like, we're the underdogs. But there are a few games you go into knowing, like, okay, this is a previous national championship team. Maybe we're the underdogs. Um, and that's definitely a lot of motivation, knowing that you can go and kick off a top dog. Um, but really for us on the team, I don't think anybody has the underdog mindset. Preparing for a backup quarterback can always be a unique challenge. Uh, I'm sure you've seen some film on what TCU is going to put out on the field, but what type of a quarterback are we going to see on Saturday from TCU? Um, we're expecting a really athletic, versatile quarterback. Um, like you said, it's always a challenge. Um, facing a new quarterback that you haven't seen film on but we're just like we said breaking down the fundamentals and if we play our game we should go the way we want all right a couple of quick hitters at the end you you're one of the more exuberant uh very very expressive players on the field and and you love to interact with the crowd what's it been like for you at BYU running down and facing the rock is like something I can't even describe it like you throw up one hand and all of a sudden it's roaring um it's awesome. The fan base is really interactive. It's really loud. They've always got your back. I love I love the BYU fan base, um, and I love that they support my crazy mentality because <laughs> it's awesome. So, What's it been like for you and your family to be back close to home and competing for BYU and playing in a larger role? You know, it's been really awesome. Um, it's been nice being able to hang out with my mom on the weekends, going home on a Sunday, and being able to hang out with them, seeing my little siblings. Um, my sister's also running track here too, which is – Really fun being close to her if I need 
somebody cook something for me, I'll just shoot her a text and be like, hey, I'm kind of hungry. You want to come over? So, no, it's been awesome. I've loved being back with the fam. What's the go-to meal that your sister makes for you on campus? Mm, dude, she made quite a few things so far. Okay. Um, okay. She made this pad thai the other day. It was, okay. it was so good. Well, if it creates good vibes and gets you ready for TCU, more pad thai, yeah? That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, thank you. Harrison, thanks for being with us. We appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. Harrison Taggart, BYU linebacker, playing a very important role in Jay Hill's defense with no Ben Bywater on the field. And, Jeremy, he has the yeah. right amount of crazy. He's got, a certain amount, yeah. He's got yeah. the wide-eyed energy. Like, mm -hmm. he has the right amount of crazy to be a potentially great linebacker at BYU. The twitch, I told you yesterday, he kind of reminds me of a young Brady Papinga. Like, he just is... You just got that twitch, yes. that energy. Where you're like, I don't know what your next move is. <laughs> Brandon Ogletree had that look, too, where yes. I was like, are you going to strangle a deer uh, at some point in the next five months? I don't know. Like, you, you want that right amount of crazy, right? Um, and, yeah, who knows when Ben's coming back because we know that Ben is not playing this weekend. Yes. So, well, and it's tough because, like, it was his shoulder clearly at Kansas. He's had multiple shoulder injuries and it is shoulder concerning. surgeries. It's like it is concerning. How much can you really expect from Ben Bywater the rest of the season based on where it happened again? So like, Are you, is BYU used to know Ben Bywater? Is BYU used to know uh, no quite yet? Uh, maybe after this game, um, BYU's used to know Aiden Robbins. Like anything that he contributes at this point will be a bonus because um, he he hurt. Uh, you know, it sounds like some ribs. Or yeah. And then um, mm, pad thai ribs, that all sounds good. It's uh, getting to be lunchtime almost. Yes. Um, okay, uh, Cody Epps. BYU is used to know Cody Epps at this point. So the, good, the bad news is, oh, shoot, you haven't had these guys. The good news is you're 4-1 and one and you've had some capable guys fill in. We're sitting here talking about 4-1 and one with L.J. Martin, a true freshman. Like, what if Aiden Robbins comes into the, the mix and now BYU has a 1-2 punch there? And he's um, finally healthy and feeling decent. What if Cody Epps can play and contributes? What if uh, you know Ben Bywater could make it back? That'd be great. But for now, these guys aren't in the mix. You gotta go. The safeties haven't operated under that. No Mike Harper for the season, no Talon Alfrey. No, it's Ethan Slade and Tanner Wall. Right? And Raider DeMooney. And Raider DeMooney. How how <sighs> I know we gotta move on. Malik Moore must be in the in a massive doghouse, by the way. Because the fact that he does not play at all and he's not injured is very is very odd to me. Interesting stuff. I mean, he must be in the doghouse well, for whatever reason. I don't know all the deets there, but took a bad angle at Arkansas. We have not seen that guy since. Long season. Tough. See if he can get himself back on the field and competing in that safety position. If he showed up there, it'd be like, oh, yeah, you. Then again, Malik Talon Alfrey, we, we expect to get healthy in the next few weeks. Yeah. That's going to make it that much tougher yeah. for Malik to get on the field. Yeah, more experience suddenly. Slash, are they, are they playing good enough? I think they are. Is BYU's defense good enough without Ben Bywater and Talon Alfrey to win at TCU? Are they, are they used to it enough? Are they used to it enough? You just have to deal in what you, what you got, right? Uh, BYU send game day coming up Saturday. Join us. 1.30 Eastern time. Oh, guest analyst, Austin Colley. Okay. Be on the program. So uh, it's going to be awesome, man. Check it out. 1.30 Eastern Saturday, live from Fort Worth in Provo. Indeed. BYU women's soccer nearing tournament time. In a few ways, is a number one seed in the NCAA tournament still within reach for the mm, Cougars? Interesting. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
Follow this year program on social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your two, what is it? Wednesday what headlines. There you go. Your, sun, your Sunday headlines. Yes. BYU football will be missing a few key starters <laughs> on defense when the Cougars take on TCU Saturday. Jay Hill, what's the latest on defense? Uh, ben probably won't play, although he's getting closer each game. Uh, Isaiah Glasker looks like he's got a chance to be back. Um, yeah, not yet. Alfrey, not yet. TCU head coach Sonny Dykes also spoke to the media yesterday and talked about what he expects from backup quarterback Josh Hoover, who will get his first start on Saturday against BYU. I thought he played well once he shut him down. I really did. I thought he did some good things. I thought he showed a lot of poise. You know, I know our players have a lot of confidence in him. You know, I think he's, um, you know, got the players' respect. I think the guys like him, and I think they're going to play hard for him. And, and um, you know, but he hadn't had a lot of reps. And so there's going to be some some growing up and learning during the game that is, um, you know, not always going to be perfect. But I'm excited to see how he, how he does. I expect him to do well. Of 19, 119 passing yards, touchdown, and a pick coming in for the injured Chandler Morris last week and lost to Iowa State on the road. Pregame Saturday, 1.30 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. There's a program that knows not to overlook a backup quarterback. It's BYU. I think so. BYU women's soccer drops one spot in the latest United Soccer Coaches poll to number eight. Boo! The Cougars, 11 wins, one loss, three ties on the season. And they are 4-0-3 in Big 12 play. So no losses there, but three ties. Up next, tough road game at Oklahoma State. I'm not big on that poll anymore. You know why? There's only eight voters. One for each region. One vote swings it way too much. Yeah, can we get more people voting? <laughs> There's eight voters. Granted, we're big on a group of 12 here locally, but all good. Okay, uh, Jim Fredette playing today in the three-on-three -three Doha Challenge in Qatar for Team Miami. Jim made a game-winning layup. And Team Miami through to the semifinals. Finals taking place later today. We're going to see him in the Olympics. BYU men's golf competing in the final round of Big 12 match play this morning after winning one round and losing one round yesterday. Good luck. And the women's golf team finished eighth at the Dale McNamara Invitational yesterday. The Cougars led by Adeline Anderson, who shot a career best 67 Woo. in the final round on her 21st birthday. Happy birthday. Finishing three under, tied for sixth. That, that's the greatest present she's ever given Seriously, herself. Seriously, like your best athletic performance to date in life happens to be on your 21st and, birthday. And 21st is a big one, right? That's <laughs> a huge one. Yes. Wow. Celebrate with some creamery chocolate milk. That's that's awesome. That's <laughs> how we roll around these parts. <laughs> Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Three games left in the regular season. Big 12 Conference Tournament for number eight women's soccer. Eh, number eight. What do the Cougars need to do in order to get a number one seed in the NCAA tournament? They probably have to win out in Big 12 play, and they probably have to win the Big 12 tournament. No ties. No ties. Stanford and UCLA are two and five in the United Soccer Coaches Poll. So BYU would host the first two rounds, and then they would go on the road for a Sweet 16 conceivably if it's all chucky. It's not always chucky. But yeah, you'd have to win out and you'd have to hope for some losses. I mean, maybe there's like, okay, let's say maybe you have a road tie, but you win the rest of the regular season, but then you win the Big 12 tournament. Now you have an outside shot of getting that last number one seed. Yeah. Uh, BYU probably a two. Probably. Yeah, yeah, probably. Their RPI is really good. Five. Post the first two rounds, maybe as we If you're a two, you're probably posting the Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we will see. 
A group of NFL writers for ESPN have ranked the top rookies so far this NFL season. They have Puka Nakua at number three. Mm. Is Puka on pace for the best rookie season from any BYU player ever? It sure seems like it. No one has come out of the gates like this. Like it's Steve, been historic. Like Steve Young with the Bucks, man. Like Fred Warner was good, but he wasn't like Fred Warner now, right? Austin Collie had a really good rookie year, but he wasn't putting up these kind of numbers. I, I think he's on pace for something special, man. Uh, has any other former BYU player ever been like a legitimate candidate for NFL Rookie of the Year? No. Puka is in that conversation right now. In 19, I don't know. This hasn't happened. UA Tracker on X posted that Women's Hoops is debuting in all royal uniform Ooh. this year. You like? I like the royal rush. Yeah, on the basketball floor. I think that uh, that looks nice. Let's Absolutely. go. Very simplified design. The Big 12 logo looks fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on board. Looks good. I want four different colors for basketball, both every year. Royal, navy, black, white. This is this is my hope and prayer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you want any drop shadows? My thoughts. <laughs> no, I want a no. drop shadow on a football uniform. No. I do. I want the '96 uniforms with the drop shadow. Yeah. I want those? those. They haven't been officially released yet. We have photos of the women's basketball team in the uniform. It feels like that's released. I, I don't know. How it feels works. like that's out now. <laughs> Cougar pregame live is Saturday on BYU Radio at 1:30 Eastern Time as our boy Shep. Hits the weight room every day hard, getting ready for this show. I don't know what the weight room has to do with the show, but he does it. 1.30 Eastern Saturday. After the break, Wally Thane and Zach Fuchs of BYU yeah. Men's Tennis live in Studio B. They'll tell us what's gone into why they're playing at such a high level. The dynamic doubles duo in Studio B after this. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to Studio B on a Wednesday. It is a Wednesday. You know what I was correct? Not a Tuesday. A, whatever. I'm going to give you the credit, Rick. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's okay. It's on demand whenever you want. Listen to this whenever you want. It's true. Watch it whenever. This is the day and age we live in. Uh, we are super excited to have a dynamic doubles duo from BYU Men's Tennis with us here. Wally Thane and Zach We Fuchs. wish we were as good of a duo as these guys are. It's true. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's <laughs> tough wish. to be. I mean, they, all they do, it feels like, is win. Like know, We were we, just joking. Like We say your name so much in association with, with winning. winning. <laughs> yep. So, first of all, congratulations on all of your success this year, and uh, it's great to have you in Studio B. Thank it's you. Thanks here. for having us. Yeah, thank you. Some background here. Uh, you have transferred away from two former BYU rivals, or I guess one former in Gonzaga and one still current in, in Utah. But why? we'll start with you, Wally. Why was BYU the right place for you leaving Utah and coming to Provo? Um, I would just have to say the culture here at BYU is just unlike anywhere I've ever been. And, um, you know, just surrounded by such great people and the opportunity to be part of such great sports programs and receive a great education and Zach Gonzaga man yeah no, it was, it was it was cool cool to be there but my, my mom went here it runs in the family kind of and and uh while I told me he was transferring when we were down in California together and and I saw that's a great opportunity to play play with some friends and play with people of the same faith and it's also also probably a little better school than Gonzaga and and uh, here here yeah <laughs> okay so it's you guys school too you guys yeah. go way back then yeah. like so you you had an established relationship you heard the news and you're like okay let's do this thing at BYU how far mm -hmm. back does this relationship go uh, we met about two summers ago in Newport Beach and just started training together and um, yeah he was at Gonzaga I had just been at Utah and I was actually committed to UC Irvine 
And then one day I was just at BYU hanging out with some friends, and I was like, oh, maybe this would be a better fit for me. And then, yeah, I like to take credit for, for Zach coming to BYU. I kind of... <laughs> he recruited me. Yeah, I kind of recruited Zach <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Wally, okay, on your bio it says your dad played on the ITF tour for tennis mm -hmm. and the Uruguay Junior World Cup team. Tell mm -hmm. me... what. Tell me about those two. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, um, soccer and tennis have always been the sports in our family, and so I grew up playing both of those sports. In about middle school, I decided to just stick with tennis, and that's the what my dad did also. Is he from Uruguay? Yeah. His parents are from Uruguay. And, Very cool. Um, yeah, but he grew up here in Utah. Awesome. All right. When did you discover that this doubles duo was going to be special? Like, what, what was the moment? Was that two years ago? Pro, pro when you met, you're like, let's do this? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we, we were pretty good friends starting off, like, just when we first met two years ago, we started hitting a lot together, and, and I mean, I followed him to BYU, so it, it was, there was something there with our, our dynamic, and, and I think we played a lot of tournaments, and it kind of built it up, and we went through different partners, and eventually all clicked together at regionals in, in last year, and it, it's been great since, and yeah, it, it, there's a good, good team chemistry right there, I'd say, so. Yeah. Zach, were you always going to play college sports because uh, brother played tennis at Ohio State, sister at Southern Virginia, uncle swam at Arizona State, uncle swam at UC Irvine, cousin swam at South Dakota, cousin played soccer at Pacific? Well, I, Is there like I, family I, pressure here? Yeah, I, I had to. I had to live up to the to the, the family uh, routine, I guess, you know. What? Um, yeah. Both of you are really tall. Like you're, what, 6'5"? Yeah. Then yeah. you're pretty tall too, right? And six four. Six well, four. Six four, yeah. Like like I, I don't know tennis as much as Spence who who worked in Palm Springs. Are you guys tall tennis players? They're not yeah. John Isner, but they're tall, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I know, we're, I know we're, that we're reference. up there. Yeah. We're up there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Do you guys I, play other sports? Like you can play basketball, take on other um, people on camp, or how, uh, soccer for you, that. maybe? I mean, I, I can maybe dunk if I worked on it for a little week or so. <laughs> you can maybe dunk at six five. Let's go, yeah. man. <laughs> it's a different twitchiness and yeah. a different set Slightly of muscles different. required mm -hmm. to your, be your lateral movement is yes, more defined. Yeah. You've again, you've already accomplished so much. In fact, you both qualified for the ITA All American championships what was that experience like for you and and the follow-up question there is what's what's next after everything you have accomplished so we'll start with what, what was that first experience like well it was great um going down there because all the best players in the country and teams are down there and and we got the opportunity to compete against them and I mean it was a little tough coming from from air force 7,000 feet to Oklahoma which is humid and, and sea level but we adjusted pretty well, and and it was just a great experience to be competing with those guys. Cause it's kind of, kind of where the stage you want to be on if you're, if you're playing tennis. Yeah. So, yeah. What's the elevation thing in tennis? Is that a thing? Like yeah. when people come from volleyball, they're like, oh, the ball sails. Mm. Football, I get tired in the fourth quarter. How is it in tennis? It makes a big difference because mm. the ball just goes through the air so much faster and it goes further. So. When you come from sea level to high altitude, the ball is going to fly there is long. A difference. Yeah. 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 yeah, and then it's going to come up short when you go from altitude to sea level. So even at Air Force, at 4,500 feet here, it's like 7,000 there. Yes. You guys were yes. like, oh, it's, even it's crazy. we're affected? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, usually it's people come here, like, what's going on? And yeah. we're, we're going up there, and we have the same feeling that those people do when they come play us. So. But you guys are hitting 200-mile-an-hour serves. Yeah, no, it, it, was, it was great, though. No great. resistance in the air. <laughs> Good, so yeah. Good luck on that. <laughs> okay, so, Wally, what's next for you guys? What's the next attainable, reachable goal for you? Well, we qualified for Fall Nationals um, after winning our region, and that'll be first time for both of us going there, and that'll be in San Diego in November. So we're getting ready for that. San uh, Diego in November. Yeah. yeah. I was just there over the weekend. Fantastic. Yeah, pretty yeah. nice. <laughs> well done. How many teams are there 
and and represented? Like, how, what type of a group are you competing against? Um, I mean, it's definitely the top players. I'm, do, you, do you know how many? I think, I think it's only a draw of thirty-two teams okay. for doubles. Yeah. So not a, not a okay. huge bracket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at yeah. you guys. Yeah, so yeah. let's go. It's solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have like? I know you want to win it. You want to win everything. Yeah. Do you have like a round that you have circled? Like it'd be nice if we could be like a Sweet Sixteen team or like get to the final eight. I mean, sweet Sixteen. Sweet Sixteen would be great. But yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, I think Wall and I both believe we can win. And, and I mean, it's, it's not going to be easy if if we do. But it's definitely a a goal in mind. I think it's a realistic, realistic goal for us. So I think it'd be. But Sweet Sixteen would be pretty sick. Yeah. Quarter, quarterfinals. I mean. As, as long as we win a few rounds, that'd be that'd be great. Cool. <laughs> now let's really look ahead for you guys. Does this translate to pickleball? These skills <laughs> mm, depends who you ask. Not for me. <laughs> it's pretty brutal for me. I gotta got say. say. Do you guys play pickleball? Do you know? We've yeah, played a little bit. I played a little bit. You stay yeah. out of the kitchen. Uh, I, I I sometimes fall in it, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, that's the, I'm learning. I'm that's learning. your post career. Like now you're with everybody else. You're like, you guys suck. Let's go. All right. Yeah. And what you asked about pickleball? Does the game translate to ping pong? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So. Don't you think? So, I mean, let's my, go. This, this, this serves the best part of my game, and and it's not a serving ping pong. Really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not great. for me. Not for me. Yeah. Hey, um, listen. You, you you're enjoying great success. We're super stoked for you. Can't wait to hear how things go and watch things at nationals. Let's go, Sweet Sixteen yeah. and beyond, man. Let's go. Let's go. Give you some luck. BYU Sports Nation Give karma some good for that. Karma. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for Thank coming you. in. Nice yeah. to meet you guys. Nice Thank to meet you guys. guys. Appreciate it. it. Okay, well, check out Hinkley Ropati's Deep Blue if you missed it last night. It aired. It's on demand as well on BYUSN.com, the BYU TV app. Incredible story. His mom passed away. He had a, a real kind of vendetta out for BYU after telling him it was a little too small. Well, Hinkley Ropati has battled back towards his AC on fall camp, still going through stuff. It is a really good one. Check it out. Up next, it's time to get to know TCU in a way that only we do in Studio B. It's Know the Foe Horned Frogs Edition. You ready to lose again? <laughs> Absolutely not. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Let's go. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We take this thing to the big board. It is time once again to play Know the Foe. Let's go. TCU Horned Frogs Edition. Colton, what do you have for us, my friend? All right, Jerem, first question's for you. TCU was founded in 1869 by brothers Addison and Randolph Clark. What was the first official name of the university? Ooh. Clark's College, Clark Christian College, Fort Worth's College of Ministers, or Adran Male and Female College? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Second one. Clark Christian College. I'm going with D. Yeah! <laughs> Weird name. Adran Male and Female College. All right, question two. This is for Spencer. What is the name of TCU's battle cry? Is it Riff Ram, Bazoo, Woo Wah, or Scrim Scram? <laughs> what is it? I'm going with C, Woo Wah. Oh, I will go. No with idea. Scrim Scram. Oh. It is Riff Ram. <laughs> Riff Ram? Riff Ram! Frog. Like getting, I don't know what that is. Riff Ram. Riff. Getting Coach Z Ram. vibes from Homestar Runner. Ram 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 Okay, third question. This is for you, Jeremy. We all know the Horned Frogs is TCU's mascot. Yes. What is the Horned Frogs defense mechanism? Is it, it is shooting blood out of its eyes. Yes, I know that. Yeah. yeah. Jeremy got one. 
All right. Correct, correct. All right, right to you, uh, Spencer, for your second question. TCU moved back to Fort Worth in 1910 after a fire burned down the main facility in what Texas town that currently is home to another Big 12 school? Is it Houston, Lubbock, Austin, or Waco? Oh, oh boy. Uh, I'm going to go with D. Waco. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Correct. I'm and yeah. we end this week of Know the Foe Tide. Uh, no, 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 Spencer won 2-1. Oh, 2-1. One. 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 Congrats to Spencer. Dang it! Uh, I can't win at this, man. It's hard. <laughs> Yeah, you, all you needed to know is Rim Ram. <laughs> <laughs> like the BYU run game. Almost good enough. Rim Ram. Ram Ram? Uh, very funny. Okay, our question of the day. We've got a great poll going. Do you believe that kick time has anything to do with BYU football's recent success or struggles in the afternoon? Does that have any, like, oh. any impact on the outcome of the game? 57% say yes. <laughs> it's just, We've convinced you. It's oh wild. Gosh. And Crowley, nineteen on X answers. Our elite voice today, presented by Pax Healthcare Elevated. For me, it's simple. Mm. It's habit. For the vast majority of the players on the okay. team, they have played in the late time slot for the majority of games, especially at home. Okay. Maybe some reasoning as to why. Mm. When you get into a habit of something, you get better at it. So will BYU get better at afternoon games if they play more, which we think they will in the Big Twelve? Probably. Especially on the road. All right. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. 81-year anniversary yesterday of the first BYU football team to beat Utah in 1942. 12-7. Thanks to BYU Statsman for this. Five takeaways and blocked a punt that day. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Our thanks to today's guests, Harrison Taggart, Wally Thane, and Zach Fuchs. Sorry to Dennis. Ran out of time. Rim ram. <laughs> Rim ram. Or Jerem. I am Spencer. Shout out to Garner Meads. Garner Meads. Yes. Copper Hills over Brighton. 2002. Sports Station. No, 2000 High School Boys State Championship. Rim Ram. <laughs> <laughs>